going on, everyone? What is cooking? This is scriptwriter Steve. You reach my podcast, Barbecue to Movies. Today is January 20th, 2022. It is currently 2.02 a.m. in the morning. I'm up late, doing my thing, answering emails, talking to you folks. I guess that counts as work. All right, I'm going to turn this podcast, well, not podcast, this music down. Don't want to turn the podcast down, right? Technically, that would be turning me down. And we don't want to do that right now because I got a lot of things to say, apparently. So, first of all, let's just get everything out of the way. Uh, You know, I just want to thank all the people who have been calling up, sending me emails to book my wedding services. Thank you. Thank you very much. Keep on coming here. Keep on bringing them. Keep on bringing the love. I really enjoy it. You know, business has been slow because our stupid governor is freaking out everyone regarding when it comes to Omicron. I just want to tell all you brides or grooms out there or anyone out there who wants to get married or wants to come to Hawaii, come on down. Just come on down and, uh, you know, just make the move. Just just try to come. Just book it. Just book it. Oh, I, I think I have a, I think I'm being a little biased there, right? But here, okay, I'll, I'll give you my full opinion on what's happening right now, all right? And I'm not sure if it's really valid. So just on Monday, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday, I think it was one of those days, uh, Monday or Tuesday, the governor came out and he made a statement on camera and he said he thinks he may require a booster shot. From traveling tourists, right, coming to Hawaii, not local people, not local people returning to Hawaii, traveling tourists. I guess all tourists travel, don't they? But he called them traveling tourists to Hawaii. And he, and he said, in order for you to bypass the PCR test or the rapid test or whatever the COVID test is to get into Hawaii without going through all that lunacy, because if you're vaccinated, if you're doubly vaxxed, you don't have to do any of that crap, right? But now he said he may, he may require travelers to be boosted to come into Hawaii to protect us from Omicron. Really? Do we not understand the science, Mr. Governor? Because we know for a fact that even people who are triply vaxxed, even quadruple vaxxed, can still spread Omicron, and there is a study out in Israel that proves it. And over there in the UK, they said, you know what, all mandates are null and void because it doesn't matter if you're vaxxed or not, you're still going to get COVID and you're still going to spread COVID, so just screw you. Just screw all the mandates. In fact, masks, masks don't work and vaccine passports don't work because you know what, we all can get it, we all can spread it, and all the epidemiologists came out and said, that Omicron is the end to this pandemic. In fact, it will become an endemic. It is the end of this virus, and it will become a common day code that you'll just get like any other coronavirus, and you'll be on your way. I'm serious about that. I'm very serious about that. You know, if, if it were dangerous, I would tell you, I would tell you mask up. If it worked, I would tell you get the vaccines if it worked. But what am I telling you to do? I'm telling you not to worry. And the only thing you have to really worry about is our governor being an idiot. No, I think it's all a charade, though. I really do. Because the governor came out today. Get this. Get this. A senator from Hawaii. Was he a senator representative? Anyway, he's a politician from Hawaii. He's over there at the swamp in D.C. And he comes out and says that if 
um, that, that Governor Ige has fumbled the entire coronavirus pandemic. Now, I agree with him. But he wants even stricter, stricter um, rules. He wants, he wants everyone to be triple vaxxed. He wants um, people who, uh, in a Hawaii resident to be triple vaxxed. He wants mandatory mask wearing indoors, outdoors. He wants us to hand out N95 masks. He wants kids to be masked up forever. This is a representative, a Democrat-leaning socialist um, representative over there, over there in the Washington, D.C. right now. I forgot his name. And the governor comes out and says, well, you know, we really can't get people triple vaxxed because apparently the, the science says that the, the, you know, even if you're triply vaxxed and get the booster, you can still spread COVID. So why did he say just a few days ago that he's considering getting, you know, requiring travelers to be triply vaxxed or get the booster, right? I guess triply vaxxed, get the booster, same, same, right? Why is he saying that? It was, I think it's all a charade. I think it's really all a charade. And get this, our own epidemiologists, our own state geniuses, and I put geniuses, I'm doing air quotes, geniuses and air quotes. They're saying that this whole pandemic of this whole Omicron wave will be done probably by the beginning or middle of February, kind of what I predicted. Kind of what I predicted. I think it's already done, by the way. I think when Omicron hit, it was already done. Because they're not seeing a lot of people going to, going to the hospitals because of COVID. There's a lot of people in the hospitals with COVID. But because of COVID, there are only 22 people on ventilators in the ICU right now. And we have a population of 1.6 million people. So, so think about that. 22 out of 1.6 million people. The flu can put a lot of people on ventilators. The common code can put a lot of people on ventilators. And who are on ventilators? Well, the vulnerable, right? And how many of those are vaccinated or unvaxxed? They're not saying. They don't want to say it. All right? So why did the governor come out and say this? All right. It's just a theory now. I'm just going to throw out this theory. But on, I think it was Monday or Tuesday, that volcano erupted over in Tonga. Now, I was sitting here at my desk, and all of a sudden, my, my Google screen, because I was about to search something, and up there in the right-hand corner, a tsunami warning appears. Hawaii. It says, Hawaii, tsunami warning. I'm like, what? What the frick is this, right? So I look at it, and lo and behold, it's real. I have no warning on my phone at all. None. None. Zilch, Right? And then I'm just watching television, and then I get another thing saying this this um, this entire war, this entire tsunami warning or watch or whatever you want to call it, it got canceled, completely canceled, right? And I said, okay, it's another one of those things that okay, there, there's some type of underwater volcano that that uh, blew up somewhere by Tonga, and nothing to worry about. I have I'm like thinking, okay, whatever, and yeah, it doesn't matter to me, right? Now, what ends up happening? Apparently, there was a tidal wave, a tsunami wave that made it to our islands. It did. And, and it, it, it actually raised up the water by the piers, the ocean by the piers, so high that it, it deposited some of these sailboats, a lot of these sailboats, onto the pier, crushed the pier, damaging tons of boats. Tons. Now, our own news media didn't re report on this. Not at all. Guess who I got this information from? I got it from one of the contractors who's working on my house. 
one of the contractors, I got breaking news from one of my contractors who was working at my house. So he said, dude, Steve, did you see the boats? I saw it on Instagram, all these boats are on top of piers and everything. And I said, no, really? So what did I do? I drove down to the Alawai Boat Harbor the next day, or actually that night, and I saw for myself, there were piers missing, uh, where, where there's usually boats lined up, they were missing. I saw boats damaged. None of this was making the news. And, and, and here's the really creepy or weird thing. David Ige, this is the genius, quote-unquote genius, in air quotes, genius, that he screwed up on a civil defense warning once again. Now, what was the first time he messed up? I'm not sure if you remember this. Now, people in Hawaii do, right? But there was, uh, during Trump's, uh, I guess, during Trump's first term, I think he only had one term, uh, there was a warning that came out on our phones, on our cell phones, warning us that a ballistic missile was en route from North Korea and to shelter somewhere and, and prepare for um, impact in 10 minutes. In 10 minutes, we got this text that was, that was sent. Now, what happened was that this, was a, this text was sent by mistake, and David Ige actually knew it. He knew it. What did he do? Nothing. For two hours, he did not do nothing, even though he knew it immediately that it was wrong. It was a false, it was a false text sent out. And he didn't go on the news. He didn't go on the radio. He didn't go on anywhere. And I think it was a young kid who figured out that, that um, this entire thing was basically a bunch of BS. And he sent out a text. And then, and then other people came on and sent out information saying that this, nothing was going to happen. But, at, but for two hours, people in Hawaii and tourists in Hawaii thought they were going to die. They thought they were going to just get nuked. And for me, I didn't think anything because I was sleeping. I slept, I slept directly through it because, you know, again, I'm a night hawk, right? You know, I'm two, it's 2.12 a.m. in the morning. I'm talking to you folks. And I'm going to get up at around the crack of noon. So that's what happened. I got up at the crack of noon and everyone was panicking. And I was like, what the hell's going on? You know, I really, <laughs> I missed the whole thing, right? So anyway, now, so he, he screwed up on there. And now fast forward to the present. This entire tsunami comes thing. We don't even get a text message warning us. And then, then we get a, a, on Google, they cancel the warning. And then actual damage happens. And then the media tries to call up. David Egan does not even addressing it and saying, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see no boats on piers, even though there's destruction on, at, at, at the Haleiwa Boat Harbor, at, the, at different boat harbors around Hawaii. These boats are damaged. The harbors are wiped out, right? We got hit by a little tsunami. And people could have been, people, you know, their, their property could have, been, could have been damaged. I still think there's some places on the south shore where the ocean, I think it may have gone into some people's property. But he's trying to keep it quiet. So what happens on that day? Instead of addre addressing the flooding that happened from the tsunami, he comes out and makes a statement saying that he may, you know, install you know, travel, more travel restrictions, uh, you know, and may require tourists to get a booster shot to come to Hawaii. That same time, that was, that was his press conference out there instead of addressing the flooding. He didn't even mention the flooding at all. Not at all. Nobody knew about it unless you actually experienced the damage. I think, people, that it was complete head fake. Complete head fake, all right? So you don't really have to worry about and, you know, getting boosted, I'm pretty sure, you know, and then the mayor came out and said that, 
if something does happen, maybe maybe it'll happen in mid February, but by then they expect Omicron to be completely wiped out, and they com- they expect COVID to be basically null and void. So I think the mandates may potentially be gone. All right, that's what I'm thinking. If if the governor is thinking coherently, which he's not. All right. Anyway, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. It's my opinion. You can take it for what it is. It is my opinion. All right. Okay. So today's show, by the way, is not about that. Today's show, we're going to talk about dieting. All right. We're going to talk about gaining muscle, losing weight, intermittent fasting. That's the trend diet out there right now. I can't believe that's the trending diet right now because I've been, I've been intermittent fasting since I think my early 30s. I'm 44 now, so I have 15 years of experience of this. I still do it to this very day. Um, it works really, really well, especially when you first start. It works kind of okay with me, but you know, uh, I'll fill you in all the details. Okay. I, I, I'm, I pretty much abuse intermittent fasting. So it's a good and a not a good thing, but all right. But before I get into that, now I need to talk about some other things right now. First of all, I appeared on another podcast. I appeared on some other podcasts. I, care, I appeared on a podcast on Mojave Beach Productions where, again, I talked about screenwriting and everything like that. And, uh, you know, I talked with my friend Esther, friend slash boss Esther, and a lot of these big wigs in Hollywood. And uh, me, I was a small wig, not even a small wig. I was just like, a, I, think, I think I was a toenail dirt on some of these big wigs who are there on the podcast. Uh, but I'm there on Mojave Beach Productions podcast. Uh, just Google Mojave Beach Productions, and there, um, there's a, I think there's a uh, an episode called "The Tools of the Screenwriting Trade" or something like that. And I'm on that podcast with I think four or five other people who are all like A-list talent producers and screenwriters. And then you have me. <laughs> so, <laughs> but I was on another podcast just uh, late last year. Was it early early this month or late last year? I think it was December. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was in December. And uh, uh, this veteran veteran podcaster, Gavin Sugai, uh, and his uh, producer and videographer, Kelsey Sugai, uh, they're a husband and wife team, and they have a really great new podcast called Kampai Sugai, uh, K-A-M-P-A-I, and it's a video podcast. And, uh, you know, it's the first time I ever did a video podcast. Usually, I'm just talking over the phone or talking on Zoom, and they're not using my face you know, when I went over to their, their, their little studio at their house, which is really cool, by the way, um, you know, I had to comb my hair, <laughs> you know, and, and, uh, and I saw myself on camera just now and I, I don't look my best because I'm 246 pounds there. I weigh my fat. I wear my fat very well, I think, but my face is so puffy. My eyes are so tiny. You know, like I said, oh boy, when I saw that, I'm thinking, oh boy, time to start losing weight and, uh, you know, more weight. And, uh, yeah, and, and it, that kind of motivated me to make this podcast about dieting, gaining muscle, intermittent fasting. Because, you know, when I talk to you folks out there, I'm also just talking to myself. All right. I am self-projecting in this podcast. So why don't we just say that? All right. Okay. So I'm on that podcast. If you want to see me on the podcast, just Google uh, Kampai Sugai. That's K-A-M-P-A-I and S-U-G-A-I. So it's called Kampai because it, it's a podcast, you know, where you do, he, he basically talks about anything, interviews us, and learns more about our, our lives. And then at the end, we toast. Uh, and uh, the Japanese, 
when they toast here in Hawaii, they say kampai. And uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's the Japanese way of saying cheers, right? Instead of saying cheers, they say kampai. And we, we toast at the end, we say kampai. And uh, that's why it's called kampai. It's a drinking type of uh, podcast, but we're not drinking on that one, by the way, because I don't drink, so we drank water. But the other podcast he's drinking, and his last name is Sugai, Gavin Sugai. So that's why it's called Kampai Sugai. Pretty cool name, right? Love it. Love it, love it, love it. And uh, he has a lot of other great shows, so check him out. Subscribe to him. And uh, yeah, that's it for that plug right there. Okay, so on top of that, Let's start, let's start talking about Omicron really quick here in Hawaii. I know a lot of you are tuning in who are my wedding couples, and uh, I know I promised you to get some numbers out here to you because, uh, you know, Omicron is going pretty crazy. Uh, I want to kind of fill you in on what's happening, too. Don't trust the numbers out there, by the way. Do not get worried about these freaking numbers, all right? Okay, so let's see here. Let's see here. So here, here's the interesting thing that just happened. Now, the entire, why do I say don't trust the numbers? Well, number one is that they're always changing the way they count these numbers. They're always changing the way it is. So in the beginning, when COVID first, you know, popped out its ugly head and, uh, you know, we didn't have enough tests going around. We, not everyone was getting tested. So the, the positivity rate was not very accurate at all, right? And then all of a sudden, when, we, when COVID was in its height, they were doing things like contact tracing. So the positivity rate was, again, it was upwards in the 15%, 20%. And again, that's not very fair because you're not getting a good cross-section of how many people are in Hawaii, the population of who, who are in, who is infected, right? If you want to get a really good cross section, you have to take a random sample. You can't go out there and try to find COVID, correct? You can't do contact tracing. You just have to go out there and say, Hey, we're going to go to this town or this city and we're just going to randomly test 100 people and see what percentage we get back. That's not what they were doing. They were going out there to try to find COVID, and they were coming back with a 15% positive rate. More than likely, at that time, you know, COVID was probably a 6%, maybe a 7% positive rate. Okay, so to make things worse, what else did they do? Well, just recently, during the Delta wave, um, the state of Hawaii decided to count probable cases as positive. So that means if you attended a party... And, um, you know, if someone there was actually positive, well, all of you were positive. You didn't have to get tested. So one person tested positive. You have 20 friends there. Okay, the state doesn't need to test you. We're just going to assume all of you are, are positive. And by the way, all of you should get quarantined for 10 to 14 days. Not fair. Not fair at all. And not accurate at all. Really, really not accurate. Okay, so now what have they done just recently? I'm going to read this directly from the state of Hawaii's Department of Health website. Due to the volume of incoming lab results, the Department of Health has temporarily stopped processing negative results in order to prevent delaying the processing of positive results. Because of this, the percent of positivity and testing information and case information are not currently available. So let me get this straight. They're not processing negative results. How do they predetermine what person is positive or negative if you don't process their freaking test? I don't understand that. Now, what I think they mean, 
and this is me just kind of trying to figure it out in my mind, is that they're just not going to enter in the negative the negative tests into the database. They're, all they're going to worry about is processing the positive test into the database, which means, which means they can process more positive cases. So when they did this, we went from 3,500 cases per day to 6,500 cases per day, and people were completely panicking, saying, holy crap, now we're getting 6,500 cases per day. What are we going to do? It just doubled. Now, <laughs> I told them, I told everyone, don't worry. That surge right there was just a surge in processing. That means they were able to process more tests that day. And so right now, they can process more tests than before, and that's where you're getting a surge. Now, what are the numbers today? It's 3,929. So we're down from 6,500 down to 3,929 with the surge in testing. So that means COVID is coming down. But what do what does the state of Hawaii do? They of course push this big number into the old data set, and now it looks as though we're we have more cases than before, even though they changed the parameters and the way they process tests. There has to be some type of standard here, people, some type of standard, and they changed it four or five times. So the whole data pool is completely BS, it's not reliable. We can't make any conclusions whether, conclusions whether or not you know COVID is going up or down. Uh, we can't use historical data. Oh, and, and get this. Okay, get this. Um, uh, this this really pisses me off. So say for example, you're you're in a room full of twenty friends, right? And we all head down to get our COVID test down at the lab. And for some reason or not, some of our lab results get delayed. Some, some get it immediate, immediately, some get it two to three weeks after, some get it months after. Guess what happens when it's delayed? They group all of our delayed um, results and group it into one day. And that's what, they, that's what they've been doing. So how many positives do we have from one day? I think on, before, like back in, back in, if I'm going back in history, we had about 50 positives back in that one day. But then because they grouped all of the old tests back on and didn't actually put them where they should be regarding dates so their data set would be correct, they put it all on one day. So on that one day, we had 500, 500 infections, even though the vast majority of them were like a month old, even two months old or three months old. They just put it all in one day. Again, they're polluting the data. The historical data is completely useless. I have no idea why they're doing this. None whatsoever. Absolutely none. All right? But here is the some, here's some of the good, good news that is coming out right now. So again, we, with the surge testing, we had 6,500. Now we only have 3,929. That's a 50% you know, reduction. That means... COVID is going down. If we continue this, that's with surge testing. With surge testing, all right? All right, people. I'm going to take a break. When I get back, I'm going to talk about intermittent fasting, gaining muscle. I'm going to talk about working out, give you some workout tips, and losing weight, all right? And again, I'll be talking to myself when I talk to you because I got to lose some of this jelly. Hey, what's going on, everyone? It's scriptwriter Steve with a shameless plug for my company, Dream Weddings Hawaii. So if you want to get married in Hawaii, if you want to get your vows renewed in Hawaii, and if you want some family pictures in Hawaii, make sure you check me out. So my website is dreamweddingshawaii.com. So that's dream 
Weddings with a S, Hawaii spelled out dot com. All right, everyone. You ready to do this? You ready to lose all that weight? You ready to lose that jelly belly? And when I say jelly belly, I'm talking to myself because, dude, my belly is not looking too, not looking too good. When I eat food, I swear I'm like a python, and I look like nine months pregnant. <laughs> not a good thing. It's not really not a good thing. No, not at all. All right, so. I'm not sure if you're like me, but you know when this whole COVID thing hit, I started, I started getting a lot of weight because I stopped working out. I stopped, I just started eating a lot, and I started, you know, just uh, finding every single excuse in the book to become an aficionado of, of chocolate chip cookies. Uh, I had no idea how to make chocolate chip cookies or really good ones before COVID nineteen, and now I am a really good cookie chef. I'm just telling you that. And I think I may give you the recipe one day on my podcast. I'm not sure. I think this may be a cookie I want to sell at my restaurant. If I do, I can't share the information with you, right? Just saying. I'm just saying. So anyway, gained a lot of weight eating cookies. Gained a lot of weight just sitting at home because we couldn't work out outside, you know, or we would get a ticket, you know, and I tried to ride bike out there, but, you know, just, you know, not working. It is... I'm not sure if it depressed me. I just, you know, what was else? What else was there to do other than to learn how to cook and eat food and eat barbecue? <sighs> anyway, no excuses. Gained the weight. Then, you know, we got open, started gaining the weight more, and because you know, I just wanted to eat all, eat at all the restaurants, right? And uh, started movies open. I wanted to eat at the movies, and uh, here I am. Christmas came around, and I weighed myself on Christmas Day. And I was 246 pounds. 246 pounds. Not good. Like I said, I did that podcast right there with Gavin. And I saw myself on camera. I said, you know, I've never looked that chubby before in my life. And I don't look that chubby, but I am chubby. My fat percent is probably around 22%. I'm usually around 8 or 9. 8 or 9, 200 pounds, 205 pounds, maybe 180 to 205 pounds, you know, 8, 9% body fat. At my worst, maybe 17% body fat, but that's, that's because I bike a lot, but never at, you know, 22% where it affects the size of my eyeballs. Not a good thing, not a really good thing. So like everyone, I, I kind of made this New Year's resolution or, or kind of a goal of saying, yeah, I'm going to start losing all this weight. So I got back on to my diet regimen, my workout regimen. I've been following it pretty good. Uh, it's, it's been a little hard because uh, you know, my house is, in, is under construction and all my workout equipment is kind of all bunched up into the garage and bunched up in the back over there in one of my, in one of my rooms. So I don't have access to that, but I do have my dumbbells and I got my bicycle out. So I've been doing that and uh, the weight has been coming off. So right now, I'm happy to say I am, I am at 236 pounds, so I lost, I lost 10 pounds. I think I'll be 234 pounds in about, in about a week or so, and I'm hoping by the end of this month, which is right around the corner, I should be under 230. That's my goal, but my goal is to be around 205, so I still got a long ways to go. Now, how, how did I lose you know, 12 to 16 pounds or 10 pounds in about, I think it's about you know 20 days well, first of all, that's my, not my natural weight. And uh, secondly, 
Uh, I did it through intermittent fasting, uh, following my following a rather not a very strict diet, but for, just watching what I watching my my carbs per day, and also lifting weights. Now I'm going to tell you exactly how I'm doing it, and maybe it's for you, maybe it's for not for you. Now, just for a little bit of history of my, I guess, of my fitness level. Uh, or my fitness knowledge. I've been lifting weights since I was about, I think about 12 years old or 13 years old. I am a fan of high intensity training, not high intensity interval training, which a lot of people do, but high intensity training, which means uh, uh, you lift very heavy weight at a, um, very slowly and you, and you accentuate on the positive, the negative motion, and also the isometric motion of the of every single uh, movement that you do, and I keep my sets for my total workout maybe to around four to five sets, and I keep my reps of each set to maybe around I think four to eight, unless I'm doing legs. And I'm going to explain to you all of this in this whole in this entire podcast. It won't take very long, and I'm just going to explain to you the science behind everything because a lot of people are starting to do intermittent fasting and high intensity workouts without even knowing the science behind of it. And a lot of people are doing high-intensity interval training. And I have to tell you what, that's not really high-intensity. You know, it's not high-intensity if you can work out for an hour, all right? High-intensity means you're in and out of that gym in about 15 minutes. Or in and out. You're only going to weightlift for 10 to 15 minutes and you're done. You're absolutely done. Your body needs to rest. Maybe for a week. If you're older like me, maybe a week, a week and a half. So your body can recover and grow. All right, so let's first off, let's start off with intermittent fasting, all right? So what is intermittent fasting? Now, it's what it sounds like. You're going to fast intermittently. So there's two methods to to do this. One is a 16-hour method, and another one is a 24-hour method. Now, now for me, I don't like, I hate doing 24 hours, but but to do it the the 24-hour method, all you have to do is twice a week, do two 24-hour fast. It can be back-to-back, Monday, Tuesday, or Monday, Wednesday. It's really up to you, and you don't eat for two, for two days out of, out of the week, you don't eat for 24 hours. And this method is called eat, stop, eat, all right? Now, once in a while, I'll do this. If I, if I go to a buffet and I have a really, and I eat a lot, I can do a 24-hour fast, no problem whatsoever. I won't even get hungry. But it's really good when you do a 24-hour fast after you just have a, have a, if you, you know, if you, if you have a really, really bad cheat day, all right, let's just say that, you know, you go to your friend's house, you just have a really bad cheat day for 24 hours, don't eat, and it resets your entire emotions, your, your emotion connection to food, it resets your entire body, and you're back on track. So that really helps, all right? Um, do I utilize um, eat, stop, eat, 24-hour fast uh, normally? Absolutely, absolutely not. Um, I am more of a fan of the 16-hour method, okay? So that means you eat your last meal around 9 p.m., and then the next, the next day, you skip breakfast, and maybe you eat a 1 p.m. lunch, okay? That's it. That's really it, okay? Now, here's, here's the thing. A lot of people think with intermittent fasting that they can actually eat anything. That's not true, all right? You still have to count your calories. It works really well if you keep your calorie count to you know your your to what your what your body should have. So right now, my body will like my, right right now. If I wanted to maintain my weight, I would maybe eat twenty two hundred calories, and that's right around what I am actually eating right now. 
Okay, but I don't really count calories at this time because that's not uh, what I'm doing right now is still working. So I don't have to go down to that level where I count calories. Okay, so I'm going to get into that right now. Um, pretty soon about calorie calorie counting and grams of fat and 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 uh, and all those different types of things. But before I do, I want to explain how intermittent fasting actually works. So there are two states your body is in when it's uh, when it's dieting or when it's working. All right, so. What they're, you're either in the in the fed state or in the fasted state. So what is the fed state? It's really easy to explain. The fed state is when your body uses or your pancreas produces insulin to tell your body to store excess energy as fat, right? So say, for example, if you eat too much carbs, that's excess energy, right? You're eating a lot of Twinkie donuts. You're eating a lot of, you're drinking a lot of soda and your body, your blood sugar is already at its peak. It will tell um, your body, your pancreas starts giving out insulin and starts telling your body to store all those extra carbs as fat so it can be used for a later time, all right? That's what it's doing. That's one of the one of the uses of insulin, all right? But that's primarily the one which we are concerned about. So we all know what insulin does, right? We all know people who have sugar problems, they can't produce their own insulin and everything like that. So that's what happens. When they can't produce their own insulin, their blood sugar levels go out of out of whack because their body can't store or can't can't transfer all that extra sugar into fat. Okay, so that's a very, very, very bad thing. All right. So what we want to do is we want to make sure we want to make sure that we don't. First of all, we don't store that much fat. So we want to always watch our carb intake because if we store, it helps our body. If it helps us burn fat, if we're not storing fat, correct? Okay. It's very easy. Okay. So now, what else does your pancreas do? Well. Remember I told you there's two states that your body's in? There's the fed state and the fasted state. When you're in the fasted state, your pancreas stops producing insulin and and all of a sudden it produces a hormone called glucagon, um, G-L-U-C-O-G-O-N, glucagon. And that uses fat to balance your sugar level. Now, I'm gonna repeat, I'm gonna kind of repeat how this works, okay? So your body, the blood in your body has to stay at a, at a certain sugar level, all right? So when you're eating, it has to stay at a, a certain sugar level. If you put too much sugar into your blood, you know, bad things will happen to you. You'll go into some kind of insulin shock or something like that. You know, your, your, your body will not react very good if you don't have, if you have too much sugar in your body, all right? So that's what happens to diabetics, Okay, so that's why it stores into fat. Now, what happens when you're not eating, when you're, in the, when you're in the fasted state, when you're sleeping? Well, your blood, your sugar levels still have to be maintained. How does it maintain those sugar levels? Well, it takes the fat from your love handles, around your arms, around all those areas, and it uses that to metabolize. It uses that, I'm sorry, metabolize is the wrong word. It uses that to balance your sugar level. And what is that called? That's natural metabolizing of your fat. Isn't that cool? So when you're in the fasted state, when you are in the fasted state, you are gonna be using that fat that's around your love handles. And if you want those love handles to disappear, 
or the fat around your legs or fat around your thighs to disappear, well, you're going to have to, number one, watch your carbs so you don't store the fat. And then on top of that, you're going to have to fast so you can, uh, so you can burn a lot of that fat away as well. So two methods, two things you have to do right. So a lot of people, when they intermittent fast, they think they can eat anything they want. They can eat all the meat they want. They can eat all the fat they want. That's not true at all either, okay? Because a calorie is a calorie. A calorie is energy. And excess energy gets stored as fat. It's not just carbs, okay? But excess energy. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to read out some, some information here. There are nine calories in one gram of fat, all right? And there are four calories in a gram of protein and four calories in a gram of carbs. So if you're eating a fatty protein all the time, you're just eating lots of lots of bacon and dude, you're, and you're eating excess calories of fat, it's so much easier to get excess calories because you're eating way too much fat on, on a lot of things. And if you go over your daily calorie intake, all of that's going to go into your love handles. It doesn't matter if it's carbs or not. Okay. It does not matter. So watch your carb intake, all right, and watch your watch your calorie intake. Very very easy, okay. It's a lot easier to do than 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 uh, especially when you're intermittent fasting. And I'll tell you how to do it, all right. So, so now, now you know the science behind everything, okay. That cal- excess calories can make you fat, excess carbs can make you fat, all right, and that we always want to try to stay somewhat in the fasted state. In fact, if you work out in the fasted state. <laughs> Well, it takes a little training to do that, but you start burning a lot more fat too, okay? You're not going to be very effective at, at, a, at, at a, you're not, you're not going to be a very effective performer, uh, I guess, in your athletic exercise when you're fasted. And say, for example, if you're biking, if you're biking and you're, and you're in the fasted state, you will burn more fat, but you will probably produce the best, the way, I'm sorry, the worst times you ever did in your life, all right? But when you do work out, in the fasted state, uh, you will burn the, the fat off those love handles a lot faster. Okay, so what do you, what's the object of the game here? Intermittent fast, you know, fast for 16 hours, um, a workout when you're fasted, light, light cardio right there. Don't, you don't have to go nuts and go high intensity cardio. And then try to do the 16 hour method every single day. Maybe stop eating at 9 p.m. and then start eating at 1, 1, uh, 1 p.m. the next day. So 9 p.m. to 1 p.m. the next day. Pretty easy to do. Just skip, just skip breakfast, eat a late lunch. Or you could, or you could actually you know, you know, start eating way late into the night. A lot of times with my 16 hours, I start sometimes at, at 5 or 6 o'clock p.m. That my first meal of the day is at 5 or, 5 or 6 o'clock p.m. And I fast for all the way around after that, you know, all the way around after that. So, so it really depends on your, on where, on when you want to eat. But, um, you know, you just have to adjust it to your own, I guess, your own, your own work, work clock. Why don't we just say that? Okay. I'm getting, I'm getting my, I'm getting all my information jumbled up here. I'm sorry. It's 2.43 a.m. in the morning and my eyes are kind of blinking. <laughs> all right. Okay. So now that, we, now that we got that down, let's, let's start talking about, gaining muscle because in order to in order to lose fat you have to change the body composition of your entire body all right now some of you are fatter than others some of you are more lean naturally lean if you worked out before when you were younger you will have muscle memory and you can get you you can actually get uh build muscle back rather quickly rather than people who have never worked out in their entire life now 
Here's the thing I'm going to tell you about working out. You should not work out or spend your life at the gym, all right? You should never, ever, ever do that. You should work out using, you should, now, first of all, you should work out using a weight that provides resistance uh, to the point where you can maintain good form. If you start trying to cheat that weight up, if you're trying to start to lean or rock that weight up, that weight is too heavy. So how do you know that a weight is a good weight? Well, you want to be able to, you want to be able to perform that exercise and fail between the fourth and eighth rep. Now, if you're doing, if you're doing legs, then you want to, you know, fail around, you know, 15 to 25 reps. And when I say fail, I mean that you can't lift that weight up at all. You train to failure. Most people don't train to failure. Now, that's the big problem. That's the reason why they spend hours and hours in the gym. Okay? Now, if you look at the cross-section of your muscle, if I were to chop off your arm and look at, the, look at all, the muscle, all the muscle fibers in there, there's like a lot, there's tons of millions and millions of them. If I were to tell you to, to, to take a pencil and to rep it out, to do, to do a dumbbell curl movement with a pencil, and eventually, there's going to be enough lactic acid in there where your muscle will cramp and you can no longer lift it at all. And you may feel that, that your muscle, that you got a good workout there because you may, it may feel rather tight. But here's what happens. When you use a light weight, muscle fibers, and this is, a, I'm going to back up here, muscle fibers can only contract 0 to 100%. Okay, it's either on or off with muscle fibers. So, if you're just using a pencil or five pounds, why don't you say five pounds? You're not contracting a lot of muscle fiber in your, in your arm or anywhere. That's why you have to use a pretty heavy weight so you contract more muscle fiber. You're, if you're looking for muscle contraction, and that's what we want to do, we want to fail the most amount of muscle fibers as possible, you have to use a weight that where most of your muscle fibers in your arm will be activated. If you use too light of a weight, you're not going to get a lot of muscle contraction in there, and you're not, you're not going to be using a lot of muscle fibers. So use a good weight where you can maintain form and fail around the reps of four between four and eight. That's number one. Okay, that's with bench press, with military press, with um, with dumbbell curls or anything, even the tricep press, four to eight. Now, if you if you want to, you can go up to twelve. It doesn't work as well. It really, really doesn't work as well. Okay, now. Also, number two, when you go through your motions, there are three motions. There is the positive, there is the negative, and there is the isometric part, okay? So what am, what am I talking about? So say, for example, we're on a, we're on a leg extension machine. And when it's in, the, in its resting mode, when, when my legs are just resting, there's, there's no tension on it. When I, when I, move, that, when I move the weight up, and when I extend my legs for, further to, to the locked positions, I am now, that the, the extension part of that movement is called the positive. When I lock my knees and hold that weight, that's the isometric. And then when I lower it, that's called the negative. All right? Now, when you go to the gym, you see people using the, using the leg extension machine. What do they do? They only focus on the positive motion of the leg extension. They kick up the weight, they don't even hold it on the isometric, and they just, they don't resist the weight going down. They just let the weight go down, and they just keep kicking up the weight 
on the positive. And they use, use, they use momentum. They use, they use uh, the, the, the momentum of the weight or the momentum of the cable machine to get that weight up there. That's not very honest. All right? So if you want a good workout, number one, you get rid of any momentum. That's number one. You, have, you accentuate the positive. You hold the isometric for one or two seconds, and you get a good negative. So, you, so basically, you, you take two or four seconds to go up, you hold it for two, two to four seconds, and then you go down two to four seconds. You do this for almost every single exercise. Dumbbell curls, the bench press, incline press, military press. You just don't focus on the positives. You focus positive, negative, and the isometric part of it. And that's how you, and what you're doing is you're allowing your muscle to fail a lot faster. And you're working it out in all three phases. So when you fail, you get a much better workout, all right? This is very different, I'm thinking, of what you actually learned from all these, from all these, uh, mag- these muscle magazines out there, right? You know, they're just telling you, hey, just, just do three sets of 10. And they don't even tell you how to actually move that weight properly. Okay, so here's another thing you could do. When you finish, let's say, for example, a curl. Say we're doing concentration curls, right? Or oh, hold on. Let's just say we're doing, we're doing leg, leg extensions again, or we're just working on the quads. So what do you want to do? What do you want to do is that, again, we're going to do the positive, right? We're going to do the positive. Lock the legs. For, lock the legs so we focus on the isometric, isometric for two seconds, and then we lower it to the negative, and we don't lower it all the way. We don't lower it all the way. And then we do the positive again, hold it, and then bring it down slowly, okay? Don't bring it. Don't let it rest. Bring it up again, lock it, and bring it down slowly. Now, this is now all of a sudden your legs are just burning and it can't do any more. What you do is you get your friend over there on the side who's been who's been looking at you, and you he helps you get it up on the positive to the lock position, and you hold it in that lock position as long as you can, like an isometric. You hold it, hold it, hold it, and this sucks. This sucks balls. All right, and then you lower it slowly. And then you get him to help you up with the positive again because you can't do it because you're too weak. And you hold it in that isometric position, that lock position again, one more time. And then you slowly put it down. And then you do it one more time. One more time. You lock it in there. And at this point, you can't lock it for more than a 30 second, not even a second, okay? And it just comes down. But you still try to lower it as, as slowly as possible. Now, you can't walk. The exercise is not over. We're still working on legs. Because, because you pre-exhausted your quads, now's a great time to work on your, all your other muscles because the quads are so strong. So now we're going to hop onto the leg press machine or it could, or it could start doing squats. Okay. Now we're going to use a lighter weight because the quads are dead. Now when we go into the leg press or do squats and we start doing, we, we start doing good squats and everything like that. And we're doing, we're doing with, we're doing with a weight about 15 to 20. And we're also doing the same way where we accentuate it, accentuate the positive, the negative, and also if we can, if we can, the um, the isometric. A lot of times with the leg press and, and I'm sorry, the leg press and the squat, there is no isometric on there because when you're extended, the weight is not actually on any muscle; it's on your joints. If the weight is on your joints and not your muscle, then you, there's no need to do an isometric. All right, an, iso- an isometric movement. So what you do 
is you superset it from the leg press, you head over to you, you head over to the leg press. And now when you do your now when you do your leg press, you're using your butt muscle, your hamstring muscle, uh, and your calves and everything out there because you're uh, you're using it more because your quads are freaking dead. And this allows for a deeper burn. Okay? So this is this is kind of how I would work out my legs. Now I'm gonna go I'm gonna march you through an exercise workout routine of what I do. So for example, on one day I'll work out chest and legs. Now I just told you about my leg workout, but I'll still kind of repeat how I do it. So what I do for chest is that I'll, I'll take a, I'll, I'll find a dumbbell fly machine. All right. The dumbbell fly machine, and then I'll do a, a set of um, a set of, of flies until failure. And if I have my friend, if I have Pitmaster Keith there, he'll actually help me with it. Where he'll actually uh, take me take me to the the the, the, um, the isometric isometric position when I fail and where I can't hold it anymore, and I slowly bring it down to my starting position. Okay. Once I get once I work the failure on the flies, I immediately go to a bench. Flat bench, in, incline bench, decline bench, it doesn't matter, all right? And then I have it on a weight that's heavy enough where can, I can only get one or two reps out, okay? Now, I'm not going to be able to lift a lot because I've already pre-exhausted my pecs. But now, what, has to, what, work, what am I working out more? My tricep, my back, my shoulders, right? I'm still working out my chest, but I'll get even a deeper chest movement because it's already dead from the flies, so I start doing this one or two times, and then Keith will help me. Pitmaster Keith will help me bring up the positive, and then he'll like slowly lower it. To, um, and then I'll slowly lower, lower it on myself uh, um, with the negative, and then he'll help me back up with the positive, and then I'll slowly lower, lower it with the negative. And he'll do this three times after I'm already dead. So now that's my chest workout. That's it. Two sets, right? Two sets. Then I do my leg workout that I just talked about with the leg extension, and then the leg and the leg extensions, and with the um, with the the leg press machine. And then after that, I'm done. After that, I'm completely done. I can hardly walk, and that's it. Usually, it will take me about ten to fifteen minutes to get through that. And uh, I tell you what, it, it builds muscle like you would not believe. Now, what do I do after this? I um. I, I take a rest for about one week because I'm I'm 44 years old. My body is I'm not a 20 year old. If you're 20 years old, you can, you can just work. You, you can just wait about a couple of days, maybe three three days, four days, and you can get back in the gym. I'm 44 years old. I have to wait about a week before I recover. So during the week, I'm going for light bike rides. I may try to hit a hill if I can. I know I won't perform very well. And then when I get back in to the gym. I'll probably start. I'll probably do some other type of exercise using supersets, using the same methodology of you know, accentuating on the positive and the negative, and also the isometric movements, right? And keeping my keeping my my uh, my weight my weight to a, a um, I guess uh, I'm trying to keep my weight, not my own personal weight, the weight that I use, to an amount that will give me between four to eight reps, unless I'm working the legs. That's about it. Okay, now when you combine this type of methodology of high intensity training with intermittent fasting, you actually end up losing weight. Now, I'm going to give you a few tips here. I'm going to go back to like intermittent fasting, and give you some tips here. Um, sorry, I'm kind of jumping all over the place. I hope you can remember all of this. But here's what I do uh, here's, here's what I've been doing. 
I, I set a cap for my carbs per day at 100. Now, that's not really, if you go, if you go according to keto, you're not really in the keto, keto area. To me, I don't really care. It works for me. Okay, 100 grams of carbs a day. Now, what I do is I try to stuff all those 100 grams of carbs for the day into one meal, usually dinner. Okay, so it allows, so dinner is usually a very, very satisfying, satisfying meal for me. So 100 grams of carbs gives me, you know, I can eat a baked potato or rice or a pasta, you know, and then I can usually have a dessert for dinner. For lunch, I'll have a lean protein. I'll have a lean protein and no carbs, none whatsoever. (laughs) So what does that equate to? Usually a salad. Usually a salad works out really, really well for, for a, a salad for lunch. And then for dinner, I'll just make sure I don't go over 100 grams of, of carbs a day. So here's another, here's another tip for you. If you want to eat protein, and you should, don't eat two fatty proteins a day. Eat one lean protein for one meal and a fatty protein for the other. So for example, I can eat fish for one meal, so say for lunch, right? I can eat fish, fish and maybe like, like, like fish and chips uh, and, uh, and, and, a, and a salad on the side for, for my lunch and maybe have an energy drink. And then for dinner, I can eat a steak with baked potato and a piece of pie. <laughs> and, and, and I can still, I can have what I want and I can still lose weight. Isn't it great? Now you throw biking into this and you throw uh, weightlifting into this and you can see how, you know, this easily transforms your body uh, from fat to lean and also your weight just kind of, kind of just drops off naturally. Lastly, I want to talk about is cardio. Now, when you hear weightlifters or bodybuilders talk about cardio, a lot of them are anti-cardio. They don't want to do a lot of cardio because... And they're right. A lot of cardio can make you a little fat. You won't become extra lean doing a lot of cardio. I mean, I'll be honest about that. And you won't become extra big doing a lot of cardio. The skinniest people out there are runners and also bikers. They have the weirdest type of, with the weirdest type of, um, I guess, body. And bikers have huge legs and skinny arms and skinny chest. Uh, runners have huge calf muscles and skinny and, and skinny chest and skinny arms because when you, if you do a lot of cardio, you end up you end up burning muscle and you also get a little hungry for you get a little hungry so you end up eating a lot more carbs so you end up actually actually gaining weight so that's why you don't you don't want to do a lot of cardio uh, you don't want to be a compulsive cardio person especially if you want to be a you you want to have a very a very lean body but working out is a stress reliever it is it's really a great stress reliever for me i love to go biking i love the the um the the challenge of biking up hills you know i I just love it so you know for me i tell people you need to do cardio if you want to burn fat all right you need to do especially women you need to do cardio if you want to burn fat you're not blessed like us men where we can burn naturally 2200 calories just sitting down a woman will burn 1300 calories so they'll have to do cardio all right they'll have to do cardio um, don't believe those women out there on, on Instagram who are saying, oh, we don't do any cardio or these weightlifters say, well, we do, is, we, you, we do as least amount of cardio as possible. No, they're using clenbuterol, 
a, a steroid, a type of steroid to get rid of all their fat. Okay, I'll be honest with that. <laughs> That's what they're using. They're drugging themselves. You need to do some type of cardio, especially if you're a woman, to lose a lot of fat. Now, what type of cardio do you do? Well, I just say do something like you know that, that you can have fun doing. If it's biking, if it's then go ahead. It's biking. If it's rollerblading, then rollerblade. If it's surfing, it's surfing. You play tennis, then play tennis. Just do it. Don't worry about it, right? And don't worry about saying, oh, I'm going to be burning muscle. I'm going to be doing all of this and everything. You get to know your body. Now, again, it won't, you're not going to become extra lean and it may make you more hungry, but it's good to get out. You know, it's good to move. A moving body is an, a body that's alive, all right? And, uh, you know, don't, don't, don't think that just because a body has, you know, has six packs, you know, has no fat on it, is extra is is a very efficient body. It's it's not these these bodybuilders. <laughs> they have some of the worst cardio you could ever imagine in your life. They can't run. They you know if they wanted to, they could not chase you. <laughs> okay, why don't we just why don't we just, why don't we just say that? You know, I I've um seen these bodybuilders and they're trying to go up tentless and tentless is a really steep hill hill here in hawaii and they can't do it at all they they die on the first they die on the first um switchback so it doesn't work out very well they have a they have very pretty muscle but it's not very efficient muscle why don't we just say that all right people that's it for this podcast today i'm sorry it was a kind of all over the map uh it's three o'clock a.m in the morning i've been talking for a while i have some notes in front of me but again i was getting a little tired so but i'm not going to go back and record this Hope you got some information out here that's useful. Uh, if you have any questions, you know, always feel free to email me. My email is steve at scriptwritersteve.com. And I am out of here. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I had fun podcasting. If you like what you hear, please share my podcast. If you can't find me, look on your favorite podcast platform and look for BBQ two movies that's bbq to movies yeah the to is not the number two by the way it is to like terrell owens so that's bbq two movies catch you around